What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And as usual, we were recording during a live football game. It's Thursday night here on the East Coast, and the 49ers and the Giants are underway. Uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on that uh, as we record. Hopefully there are no major injuries um, like there were on Monday night uh, with Nick Chubb. So we'll knock on wood for that. Uh, hopefully we get um, some nice fantasy performances. Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting big things from uh, the, the 49ers tonight, uh, especially with Brandon Ayuk out just uh, funneling that fantasy production through McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. What's up, Bart? Hey, we were talking about Debo Samuel. Yeah, we both. I think we both got him definitely into our top 12, top 10, uh, yeah, with that Ayuk news. So we'll have to see how he does. On that first drive, uh, Purdy was peppering him with targets, looking for him in the end zone and everything. So, yeah, Debo, McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle, all of them. Yeah, yeah we I'm, always like set ourselves up for ridicule by talking about the game <laughs> while it's happening, and then people listen to it after the game. So I'm sure everything we think is going to happen will not happen. But it does seem like those guys should have nice nice games tonight and monday was rough because obviously you mentioned the chubb news and it happened while we were recording and we kind of had to bring it up and we sort of mentioned jerome ford because he came in got the touchdown uh had a nice you know breakaway run and everything on kind of a, a busted play you know on the defensive side of the ball um but yeah like you know then the next day they signed kareem hunt so you know everyone spent their fab <laughs> on uh or maybe it was wednesday when uh, they signed kareem hunt but in any event every, everyone spent their fab on jerome ford and then they sign hunt sign hunt but you know, I, I still think, at least for the time being, like, it sounds like Ford's going to be the guy. You know, Kareem Hunt last year, I mean, you're a Browns fan. You probably watched a lot of games. Hunt was a pretty inefficient runner last year. He, he's more toward the end of his career. Ford is the young guy that they drafted. Uh, I, I definitely like him more rest of season that is Ford. And I think Ford could really be, like, a top 15 running back even the rest, rest of the season, whereas Hunt, I think, would just be – you know, maybe like RB 30 to 40 when we turn around and start looking at our rest of season rankings update on Monday. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think Ford is definitely uh, the lead back. I mean, Kevin Stefanski came right out and said that, that he's the lead back. He's the featured back and Kareem Hunt joining doesn't change that. Um, You know, Ford was, he actually got some snaps in week one. He played uh, 41% of the snaps in week one. Now, I don't think if Chubb had stayed healthy that he was going to play that many uh, all season. But I think, you know, the Browns used two running backs last season, and they were going to use two running backs this season. Jerome mm-hmm. Ford wasn't going to uh, – it wasn't going to be a situation like we're seeing with, like, James Conner or Kyron Williams right now or, or even Zach Moss, these guys that are playing, like, 90% of the snaps. Like, the, the Browns were going to use their backup running back, and they're still going to use their backup running back. And now they bring in – a guy in Kareem Hunt who knows the system, who can catch passes maybe a little bit better than Jerome Ford, although Jerome Ford's kind of an open book right now. Like, we don't know what he's going to be because we haven't seen it at the NFL level. Um, I thought in that game against Pittsburgh that Ford, I mean, he obviously showed his athleticism with that 69-yard run. Like, um, And he was, you know, he was getting, dealing with a lot of, uh, defenders in the backfield so like he didn't Mm -hmm. get great rushing conditions there but he showed his explosiveness um whether he can read uh where the openings are in the line and churn out those consistent yards I mean no one expects him to be Nick Chubb but like if he can be 80 percent of Nick Chubb then he's an every week RB2 at the at the worst so um even though 
you know, they get a tough matchup this week against Tennessee. He's probably going to get off to a slow start. That's seems to be the general thinking. And I, I subscribe to that, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be similar to what we saw last season with, with Chubb and hunt, you know, like hunt will play the role he played last season. Uh, he knows how to do that, obviously. And Ford is going to be uh, the lead back on those early downs. Uh, he's going to lead the team in rushing and probably catch a few passes as well. So we know the Browns have a great offensive line. Uh, even after losing Jack Conklin, I think they still have a, a, a strong line. So um, there'll be there'll be some big games for, for Ford, and he probably will go down as one of the best waiver wire pickups of the entire season. Yeah, and like you said, this week's a little bit tougher, you know, starting off with Tennessee. I do have him as my RB28 right now. So you you said, you know, kind of borderline RB2. Definitely this week, like he's he is that kind of borderline for me. Uh, and then when we, we start, like Kareem Hunt I have down in the 50s. Like I definitely wouldn't trust Kareem Hunt right away. And in the same vein, I wouldn't trust Cam Akers, who just came over to Minnesota uh, yesterday. Or, or was it today? I don't know. This this just happened. We're recording on Thursday. Was, yeah, yesterday, yeah. Yeah, we're recording on Thursday night. But, um, yeah, I don't – you know, what, what are your thoughts on that situation? Because, you know, as far as Alexander Madison goes, you know, we, when we talked about this on Monday, I like Madison to bounce back this week against the Chargers, and I still do. Uh, but moving forward, I think it's going to get – Pretty murky, uh, but as far as week three, I'd still trust Madison. Uh, who knows? Cam Akers might not even be active, so that would be good if you get one last, you know, good start out of Madison with someone breathing down his neck. Now, I think he makes for a pretty good start this week. He's my RB fifteen. Madison is, and Akers I would not consider <laughs> right away. Same as same as Hunt in week three. Yeah, that's interesting. You, you think it's going to get murky? I'm not so sure that it will. It could. If if Alexander Madison doesn't play well, it could get murky. Right, but they made a big commitment to Alexander Madison contractually this offseason. Um, you know, they let Dalvin Cook go. Uh, I think that they want Alexander Madison to be the guy still, and I don't think that going out and getting Cam Akers necessarily means that they have soured on Alexander Madison. They had two very difficult matchups to start the season, mm-hmm. um, so it's not that surprising to me that. Alexander Madison struggled in those two games, um, rushing the football. Uh, you know, those those two games were, I'm pulling it up right now, it was uh, Tampa Bay and Philly. You know, those, yeah. those are two really, uh, two of the better run defenses in the league um, over the last few years. So, um, and, and Minnesota was doing all their, you know, they were making their hay in the passing game in those games. But there's going to be other games that are different. Um, and that's the key is can Alexander Madison – cash in on those favorable matchups so this week they get the chargers you know that's that should be like a shootout of the week kind of a game um maybe there's still a lot of passing on both sides i mean i have kirk cousins as my qb5 this week oh yeah justin herbert at qb4 so uh (laughs) so yeah i'm expecting a lot of passing stats in that game but it's also a good setup for madison he can catch passes as well so i think if he just delivers uh in these favorable matchups um, that he'll hold on to the job. I mean, they paid virtually nothing to get Cam Akers. Yep. It's like a swap of 2026 20, late round picks. And uh, if Akers doesn't rush for over 500 yards, or I don't know if it's rush or, or produce Combined. over 500 yards, then it, it's not even, you don't even have to pay that cost. So it was basically free. I mean, Kevin O'Connell comes from the, you know, the same coaching tree as McVay. So, there's a familiarity there. They know Acres can come right in. I think this is more, if anything, an indictment of Ty Chandler. It just basically shows they don't necessarily view him as 
uh, capable of stepping into a large role if something happened to Madison. So, um, you know, I think Ty Chandler is like I dropped him in a league yesterday when I saw this news. He's I don't think he's a player you need to stash anymore. Agreed. That's kind of the biggest immediate takeaway, honestly, for me. Um, I think Madison, I'm still going to rank pretty aggressively for now. Um, and we'll see what happens. Maybe if he continues to struggle, then it becomes more of a committee and maybe Akers eventually takes over. But for the time being, I, I think uh, Madison is still clearly the guy. Yep. Okay. Well, you mentioned Kirk Cousins and, you know, it's Thursday night. We've got our week three rankings out on the site at rosrankings.com. And we're going to talk some different positions, who we like, don't like versus the expert consensus ranking over at Fantasy Pros. So I see Kirk Cousins is on your list. So maybe we should just roll right there with the Vikings. And, and I'm happy to see it because I actually, I talked about this on Monday, but he was available in one league, you know, a, kind of a, a shallow one QB league. And I'm starting him over Justin Fields this week. And I'm not even thinking twice about it. Yeah, I would definitely do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I talked about Cousins a little bit on uh, Monday, I believe, but it's just the setup for him every week seems to be smash spots. You know, it's like the defense is just not that good. They're going to get into a lot of shootouts. He's got the most talented wide receiver in the league. Uh, he's got a really up-and-coming, exciting rookie in Jordan Addison. Uh, he's got a tight end that could be a target magnet in TJ Hawkinson. Uh, it's just all set up there. And like I said, I think Madison can contribute in the passing game as well. So tons of weapons for Kirk Cousins, bad defense, and it just sets up well for him uh, to be putting up these these video game numbers. And that's what he's been doing so far. He has more fantasy points than any other quarterback through the first two weeks of the season. So I don't really see any reason that wouldn't continue um, against the Chargers who seem to get into these shootout kind of games every week uh, themselves. So uh, these are these are two teams that both badly need a win. They're both 0-2 uh, and fighting for their seasons. And I think there's just going to be a ton of points scored in this game. Yeah, well, uh, I have Justin Jefferson as an anytime touchdown, one of my favorite plays. I tweeted that out today, right around even money, which I thought was interesting in a in a game with an over-under of 54, I think. You know, big, <laughs> biggest biggest on the, on the slate this week. So I think grabbing some anytime touchdown scores – here and Justin Jefferson is is a good one, I think. Um, one of my quarterbacks who I like a lot, Geno Smith. You know, we've obviously talked about Geno a lot. I have him as my QB nine. ECR is thirteen. Carolina's coming to town. I talked about them a little bit last week. I was wrong liking Derek Carr going to Carolina. He didn't do a whole lot, but Derek Carr has also struggled a little bit. Uh, you know, on the road, prime time. You know, we we know guys like Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton who gets a, a shot himself uh, this week in this game. Certain guys haven't really performed well in certain situations, so I'm going to chalk it up to that because I still don't believe in Carolina's secondary without J.C. Horn like we talked about last week. And I think at home, you know, I, I just think this could get out of control. I think, uh, you know, as long as Metcalf is is healthy, that's a little bit big part of it, but Lockett's looked really good. Jackson Smith and Jigba's getting worked in a little bit. So I like Geno as a top 10, and, he, you know, he's a start for me this week. You know I love me some G now. I, I yeah. do actually think that Dalton starting uh, over Bryce Young might actually make that a little more of a competitive game, though. Uh, I You know, I um, I just uh, – like Bryce Young just seemed a little bit uh, overmatched in the first couple of weeks, and I'm not, I'm not writing him off as a prospect yet by any means. But, uh, you know, going to Seattle as a rookie would have been a real challenge. And now I think with Andy Dalton and – Adam Thielen and DJ Chark coming back. I think there's a little more stability with that Carolina offense. They're not going to light up the scoreboard, but I'm not sure Seattle is quite as good a 
uh, streamers people think it. And uh, I guess I'll get to that when we talk DSTs. But um, another QB I like, I talked about it on the waiver show, Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's only got one passing touchdown so far this season, but he's thrown for well over 300 yards in both games. Mm-hmm. And the Rams just seem like another one of those teams that um, <laughs> are going to get into these shootout uh, kind of games, you know. And um, Stafford this week at Cincinnati, uh, I think it'd be better for him if Joe Burrow does play. Um, but regardless, I think um, that that offense is just really flowing right now. I mean, Stafford seems to look like vintage Matthew Stafford, and he's developed a great connection, not just with Puka Nakua, but also with Kyron Williams and also with Tutu Atwell. Um, they haven't even needed Tyler Higby and Van Jefferson to do much of anything because those three uh, young players have all really stepped up. So um, Cincinnati is not not a particularly scary matchup uh, for Stafford either. So I think he's a player that I have him at QB 14 right now. I think he's absolutely in the conversation for, uh, for streaming if you are maybe an Anthony Richardson or Joe Burrow manager who might not have your quarterback this week. Yeah, and especially Burrow since this is a Monday night game. Like you said, this is against Cincinnati. Cincinnati, you know, starting the year without a couple of their safeties who were lost either in a free agency, they don't look quite the same sort of on the back end there, which, you know, could only help Stafford. I'm a little bit more in line with ECR. I have him at 19, but I'm looking at his finishes the first two weeks, 17 and 22. And like you said, the yardage is there. The touchdowns haven't been. So if he just gets a you know pair of touchdowns, he'll probably end up as like the QB 15 where you have him ranked. Exactly. Um, Let's see. I like... uh, well, you bolded this one, so you like him too. We've talked about Baker Mayfield uh, quite a bit. We talked about him, I guess, on Monday because I think he was either your number one or number two when we talked about waiver ads against and Stafford and then Mayfield. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So against Philly, you know, Philly's coming to town. This is uh, another Monday night game. My wife actually sent me a, a, an article about why they're doing this Monday night thing, and it, it has to do something with the writer strikes, uh, and they're trying to like load up Monday night because I guess some of the some of the regular programming they might have otherwise. Uh, they don't have so they're just like stacking up stuff on Monday night I don't know I don't know what they're doing with TV but I don't that's, like it that's all I know <laughs> <laughs> I know it, maybe if they staggered it a little more like it would be fine like started at like six and nine or something I don't know but they used to they used to do that they used to have like a seven o'clock game and a 10 p.m game eastern time yeah that would work this this just isn't quite working for me but in any event like the, you you talked about it on Monday the Eagles defense is getting lit up you know through the air and Bakers looked really good really good under pressure. Uh, really good connection with Mike Evans right away. Chris Godwin hasn't really gotten going, but we know he's good. You know, Kate Otten, you mentioned as like one of your tight end favorites, you know, adds as kind of like a top 15 ish uh, guy. Uh, maybe we'll talk about him later. But yeah, um, not there's a lot to like about Baker. He's my QB 16, and ECR is 24. Where do you have Baker? I've got Baker at 19 right now. Uh, so still well above consensus. Not quite where you've got him. Um, but yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, the uh, he's cooking right now, and that you know people think of the Eagles as this nasty defense, but they are they have been pretty snake bitten by injuries, and they have given up seven passing touchdowns in the first two weeks. So uh, I think you can't really run on Philly, um, but the 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 uh, Bucks aren't really a team that runs the ball that well anyway. So this the, it's kind of strength against strength, you know, or or. Uh, Strength against weakness, I guess, because the Bucks are going to throw the ball against that uh, susceptible Eagle D. Well, let's get into some guys we don't like. I'm looking at uh, in that Green Bay uh, New Orleans game. It's at Lambeau, and I see you have both quarterbacks here on your hate list, I guess, if you want to call it. <laughs> Jordan Love and Derek Carr. So are you thinking that this is going to be 
a grinded out game, low scoring. Uh, I mean, the Saints defense has looked good so far. So what, what's your thought? What's your thought process here? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm not really buying Jordan Love. I think I'm pretty much lower than consensus on every Green Bay, uh, every aspect of their passing game right now. Because um, I just don't, I don't really buy it. I mean, he's thrown six touchdowns uh, in the first two games, but uh, he hasn't really, you know, some of the underlying analytical numbers don't really support great quarterback performance from him. And uh, he just hasn't had to throw the ball that much either. So, um, it's been efficient in the red zone so far, um, yeah. but I just don't think it's necessarily that predictive. Um, so, uh, and yes, I, I think New Orleans is a very good defense. I think Green Bay is a pretty solid defense as well. Um, I just, yeah, I'm feeling like a, 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 a grinded out kind of game, like you said. Um, you know, you mentioned Derek Carr didn't look very good against Carolina. I feel like if if he wasn't really cooking uh, against Carolina, he's probably not going to at Lambeau yeah. either. So. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I just sort of feel like it's, uh, this is going to be a game I'd probably take the under and, um, honestly the, the over under isn't, isn't really that high anyway. So, I mean, both teams are projected to score right around 21 points in that vicinity, which is kind of league average essentially. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'd be more excited to play in, uh, an Aaron Jones if he comes back, uh, and I'm excited about a, a certain rookie running back for the mm. saints that we'll talk about in a moment oh yeah me too okay well you mentioned the implied you know point total there uh based on the over under and it's not the lowest of the week the lowest of the week is patriots jets that's sitting at like 36 <laughs> 36 and a half um but just in between those your browns hosting the titans and that game is sitting at 39 and a half and we talked about chubb you know the chubb injury deshaun watson this is a good matchup for him. You know, the Titans uh, secondary, I think, is beatable. And I think you don't, you're, you're, they're going to have a hard time running on him. So Watson could have a good game. But like at some point, I just feel like he's just being ranked too high because he just doesn't look good out there. And so I have him as my QB 15. Uh, last I looked, ECR was 11. Yeah, it's still sitting at 11. So I'm four spots lower. This is just, it's one of those cases where I just would, there's a lot of guys I would start ahead of him, like a Geno Smith, like I mentioned. There's, you know, five or six other guys who are just more in the conversation in my mind. It is a decent matchup, but like, he just hasn't looked great. So I'm just not really trusting it yet. Maybe we'll see it this week. This would be the week. This would be a good get right game for him to show what he can do. And if he doesn't do it here, I think on Monday we got to talk about dropping Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. I've got Watson at QB 16. Uh, I do, I have upgraded some of their, um, pass catchers for this matchup like I, I i really do like amari cooper this week a lot as yeah. i mentioned in the wide receiver section uh i think donovan peoples jones might be kind of a deep sleeper uh this week as well um but it's all the same i it, like it's hard to trust deshaun watson as your as your starting qb based on how he's looked so far this year so Maybe he throws for a decent number, a decent amount of yardage, but he could also fumble the ball. He could throw some picks. Like he's just making some poor decisions um, and not taking care of the football right now. So, uh, so yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm I'm there with you on on exercising caution with Watson this week. Okay. Any any other QBs that you're down on here? Well, I'm a little bit down on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I just anytime you're facing Houston, and I know that they do have uh, that their corner Derek Stingley is out, so that's an upgrade for the passing game for the Jaguars. But all the same, the the Jaguars. I mean, the the Texans are such a run funnel defense. Mm-hmm. Like 
that, that you just don't have to throw the ball to beat them ever. So why would you, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. So uh, for that reason, I'm a little bit, I, I still have Lawrence as my QB 11, but uh, I'm not expecting a big week from him. Jared Goff, uh, I know he's playing great and he's always better at home, uh, but I worry about the matchup against Atlanta for a couple reasons. One, I think the Falcons' defense is a little bit better than people realize this season. And two, I their offense, Atlanta's offense, is just such a ball control offense. They just sap the clock and <laughs> don't allow you to run a lot of plays. So um, I think that's an issue for Jared Goff. I think um, you know Detroit could still win this game, but they might not. Uh, be, it's not it's not going to be a similar type of game to that game against Seattle last week by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. I mean, I've heard people speculating that Amon Ross St. Brown may have picked up a little bit of a toe injury as well, that it, people even think maybe it's turf toe. So keep an eye on Amon Ross St. Brown. If he's out, uh, I'm I'm with you here. I'm definitely lowering golf, but I have him as my QB 10. So I'm, I'm, I'm not quite with you right there as, as long as Amon Ra is playing. As far as Lawrence, I, I totally hear you. And I, you know, I even like I might start Tank Bigsby this week uh, in our Dynasty League because I'm really hurting at running back, and I was looking at odds for anytime touchdowns earlier, like I was saying. I think his is like plus 250, which is kind of a nice little you – know, I feel like they, they're probably going to get near the goal line quite a bit, so um, I might I might sprinkle on Tank. Uh, Travis Etienne is like right around even odds, so he's much more likely to score. I think Etienne could have a huge game, not going out of a limb there, but yeah, I could see where Lawrence could could struggle if the running game is just moving along and they don't have to do too much against the Texans. Well, I'm right there with you on Tank Bigsby, so that's a, actually a perfect segue to running right. back because I think he's a great kind of deep sleeper for this week. Um, I've got him six spots ahead of consensus at RB42, so you probably have better options, but uh, for DFS, absolutely. Uh, if you're in a league with multiple flex spots, I, I like it. If you're in a 16-team league or something like that, uh, I think he's absolutely in play um, because – those are the kind of players you look for um, as as deep sleepers. The the backup running back on teams that are large, that have high projected point totals and are heavy favorites. Yep. Uh, so along those lines, I also like Rico Daddle as a deep sleeper. Uh, hmm. He's an even deeper sleeper than than uh, Tank Bigsby, I would say. But um, I've got him at RB fifty one, which is at seven spots out of consensus. So both of those teams, um, you know, Jacksonville is projected to score 26.25 and they're favored by eight dallas is projected to score 28 favored by 13 so i think there could definitely be some work uh for those second string running backs this week yeah it looks like i'm about 10 spots higher on both of these guys uh bigsby and dowdle so um i agree with you and you mentioned kendra miller i'm about 10 spots higher than consensus on him as well he's my rb 31 so and i might move him up even higher if we continue to get you know good reviews i mean he's not even on the injury report right now so that's great. Uh, so like he might even he might even get close to that RB two territory for me. I know you're you're saying this could be kind of a grinded out game, could be low scoring, but I think Kendry Miller has a great opportunity here uh, with Kamara still you know suspended, and obviously Jamal Williams is is out. You know he had the hamstring injury. Tony Jones had a couple touchdowns while we were recording, but like he didn't look good. You know I watched the tape and like he didn't. You know th- he'll probably he's be not active. good. So that's why. <laughs> right. So Kendry Miller has every opportunity. Um, to, to do something here and he could catch passes out of the backfield like he's he's a dynamic player so I think like I might actually play him in a league where I've just kind of had him stashed you know I drafted him deep in, in a redraft league but again there's a lot of injuries so if you're if you're dealing with injuries to Austin Eckler and some of these guys like you might have to play a Kendra Miller or a Tank Bigsby 
Uh, like like I said, I'm I'm probably going to play tank in our dynasty league. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I've got I've got one league where my with multiple flex spots and one decision I have to make this week is Kendra Miller or Sky Moore. So that's the one mm. I'm going back and forth on a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know the fact that I expect this game to be a bit of a slog isn't isn't necessarily a bad thing for the running backs. So sure, uh, you know I think Kendra Miller should get a lot of touches. Um, hopefully, you know he's the lead back. I sometimes wonder whether Taysom Hill might actually be the lead back <laughs> for this team. Um, but I, uh, you know, I think what I expect is Miller to, to get the most touches followed by Hill. And I think Tony Jones is probably uh, going to get phased out after um, not, not being very efficient last week. The, the two touchdowns are nice. Uh, if you were starting him in a crazy deep league, which nobody was. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Other than that, uh, I, I don't think there's a lot going for Tony Jones. Well, I need to see where the ECR has Gus Edwards. It looks like it looks like he's been creeping up a little bit. He's my RB twenty two this week. ECR is now twenty RB twenty nine. So I'm not that much higher than ECR at this point. But I mean, I was looking at Justice Hill being banged up. They signed Kenyon Drake. Melvin Gordon didn't even play last week. So Gus Edwards, you know, more or less could have this backfield to himself against the Colts. Uh, in what you, you expect to be a really nice game script. There, I think the Ravens last I saw were favored by eight and a half. I think it started at seven and a half, so it's it's moving up close to double digits. So that's a good thing if you if you want to have a guy like Gus. Um, you know, we we talked about him and Justice Hill both getting goal line carries last week, but it could just be Gus this week and maybe Lamar. But I like him as a rock solid RB two in this in a good matchup. Yeah, I've got him right where you have him at RB twenty two. Um, you know, I, I I've been on record as saying I think Justice Hill is the the better fit for this offense, this Todd Munkin offense, but Justice Hill probably isn't going to play this week it's not looking very good for him and even if he does play uh, being missing practice uh, multiple times it's not like he's some established star like uh, you know Derrick Henry or something where he doesn't have to practice to have a big role so uh, you know I would I would definitely steer clear of Justice Hill even if he's active Um, and uh, it's a favorable situation for for Gus Edwards Um, you know I like I said I I don't think he fits exactly what they want from a running back just because he's a little more one-dimensional but in this game uh you know they're seven and a half point favorites at home against indianapolis um i like they're going to be able to run the ball plenty and that indianapolis defense is uh very vulnerable against the run and the pass so uh i i think this could be a, a great opportunity for for gus to uh do his thing all right, uh, I see another name on here real quick. Devon A. Chain, uh, RB4. He's he's like, I've been bouncing around between like RB44 to 48 range, um, but the ECR is about 10 spots lower than that. And I think if, if Savan Ahmed, you know, can't play, then again, A. Chain might, might kind of have that number two role to himself while Jeff Wilson's still on the IR. So, um, you know, Mostert, your boy, I know you love him, and he's he's probably in our top 12 or around there for both of us. But A-Chain's going to get mixed in, and he's he's got a nice chance, kind of like Kendry Miller, to, to get some playing time this week as well. Yeah, by the way, I have Kendry Miller at RB32, but A-Chain I have a 36, so I'm actually even oh, wow. significantly higher on him than you are right yeah. now. Uh, I think this is a, a great spot for him. Um, as much as I love Raheem Mostert, He's just not – he's not a bell cow kind of a back. He's not – like, Mostert is better handling 10 to 15 touches. Like, you don't want to press your luck with him and ask him to handle 20 to 25, you know. So, yeah, uh, I think Mostert can be really effective on, on his, you know, 15 touches he can get. But that's going to leave plenty of opportunity for A-Chain. I, I, you know, I'm not buying into 
Denver at all. So I think this is a, a pretty nice setup for Miami. They're favored by six and a half, and uh, they should be able to run the ball uh, an awful lot in this game if they want to. So uh, there's definitely some explosion potential for A-Chain to kind of uh, establish himself as, um, you know, the Robin to Mostert's Batman. <laughs> All right. Any other uh, guys you like or want to move on to some some guys we don't like? Uh, well, no, I got, I got some names to talk about. Um, you know, Antonio Gibson, I think people are burying him a little bit too soon. Because uh, you look at the snaps and he he's right there. He's still playing those high-value snaps. He's playing... The third down, you know, the third down snaps, passing down snaps. He's also playing in red zone snaps. And he split the backfield basically evenly with Brian Robinson last week. Uh, people aren't going to believe that based on the touch di- uh, distribution. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying I would play Antonio Gibson ahead of Brian Robinson, but I'm the way I'm ranking it this week, like uh, there's a much smaller gap between them for me than there is for most people. I've got. Robinson at RB25, and I've got uh, Gibson at RB34. So mm, okay. uh, I think especially um, given the fact that they're going up against Buffalo too, I mean, this could be a pass-heavy game script for the commanders to try to stick with Josh Allen and company. So, uh, I, I, you know, and when Antonio Gibson actually got an opportunity last week, he did bust a really big play on a screen pass. So, like, he's still got that explosiveness. So. Um, I think you could do worse as a uh, RB three flex option. Well, I hope you're right. I, I probably I haven't been more than one league. I'm probably not playing him in either of those leagues, but I would be very encouraged if he has a good game. You know, because I liked him coming into the season. Really thought that he could do more in this offense, and it's only two weeks, so you know, I I still have some hope there uh, for for Gibson as well. Yep. And then I want to mention Kenneth Gainwell too. I, this will be a common theme, like guys that are people are burying <laughs> prematurely. <laughs> you know, like. Yes, DeAndre Swift had a fantastic game last week, but do we really think that this is DeAndre Swift's backfield now? Uh, no. You know, Kenneth Gainwell <laughs> got in a limited practice today, Thursday, which puts him on track to be back this week, and I think he's going to go right back into a very significant role in this offense. I don't think uh, what you know, fantasy managers think that DeAndre Swift is a hundred times better than Kenny Gainwell, but I'm not sure that the Eagles coaching staff shares that sentiment. So, yep. um, you know, I think they may look at Swift as a player who uh, is best used in moderation. <laughs> sure. Uh, because they, you know, I think maybe Nick Sirianni had a quote on those lines last week saying there'll be some weeks where DeAndre Swift has huge uh, amounts of touches and puts up huge numbers. And there'll be other weeks where he's, he's not as big a priority in the game plan. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I still like Swift more than Gainwell this week. Don't get me wrong, but I've Gainwell at RB 38. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up getting 15 carries or something in this game against Tampa Bay. Yeah. I like that. I have him as RB in RB 34. So I have him a, a couple spots ahead of you. Mm-hmm. I have Deandre Swift as RB 13, but I, I kind of want to move Swift down a little bit. Um, it, it's really hard this week. Just looking at like after my top, like, like nine or 10 running backs, it gets, there's a kind of a big tier for me of guys who are, you know, good good running backs, but I'm not really sure. Like you mentioned, Brian Robinson, you have him down a little bit further. Um, a guy I'm kind of down on, Ramon J. Stevenson. You know, he's he's my RB20. And, you know, this is someone who was being drafted as like a top 10 or 12 running back coming into the game, but the Jets' defense is good. I think they're I think he's going to run the ball a lot. Like I was just looking at his over-under on rush attempts on DraftKings. It's set at 13.5, which, you know, 14 rushes, I mean – that that's that's okay. Uh, he does he does get worked into the passing game quite a bit, but just like 
not as much as I would want, you know, right now. Like he has, he had six catches against Philly, just three catches against Miami for 10 yards. He did have a touchdown, but like, you know, he's been basically like the RB 20 in a couple in, in, you know, in two games. So I kind of lowered him to there and I'm just not looking at him again. This game is like a 36, you know, total point over under. And I really think that that might be too high. I think this could be like a 13, 10 type of game. And uh, yeah, he might rack up some yards, but I'm just not so sure anyone's going to find the end zone in here. Maybe some defensive touchdowns or special teams. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots have an incredibly difficult early season schedule in terms of matchups. I mean, they got Philly, Miami, the Jets, Dallas, New Orleans. Then they get a brief respite against the Raiders, but then they get Buffalo, Miami, Washington. I mean, that's <laughs> that's tough, stu- tough sledding, man, for running backs. Um, but and you're right. I mean, the last two weeks he's been RB19 and RB17 and half PPR. So I think that makes sense that he ends up finishing around 20. I I would have trouble recommending 20 running backs to rank ahead of him, though. That's the thing, because <laughs> uh, I feel like he has a very high floor. And because he, yeah. is the, he is the offense for the Patriots. He is th- their best player. And he's basically, short of injury, uh, guaranteed touches, you know. Um, so uh, I think, yeah. Maybe he ends up finishing his RB 18 again, something like that. But I have him at RB 10 just because um, I, I just I can't confidently put other players um, ahead of him that have so much uncertainty. Guys like Jameer Gibbs or uh, or uh, Joshua Kelly or uh, Alexander Madison, you yeah. know, DeAndre Swift, who you mentioned. Like and I those do kind have, of players just yeah. they have high ceilings, but they have much lower floors. And I do have Swift and Madison ahead of him, but I also have guys like. Aaron Jones, Isaiah Pacheco, who were both, you know, dealing with injuries. So, I, you know, they could come off the rankings. Even Derrick Henry, you mentioned, like, hopefully he's just, like, getting his veteran rest. Uh, but, yeah, these are guys who I have ranked ahead of him who could come off. So, Stevenson could just, you know, climb the rankings by having to get rid of these guys who if they don't suit up on Sunday. Yep, yep. Um, so, I mentioned I'm down on Brian Robinson um, just because I think that's more of a committee than people realize still. Uh, Najee Harris, we talk about every single week. <laughs> so yeah. I give the, the token Najee Harris reference here. I, I, for some reason, you know, we'll stop talking about him when, when the fantasy, uh, analysts as a whole, uh, get as down on him as we've been consistently. <laughs> uh, I thought they would be, I thought this was the week that they finally would be. Um, but no, I mean, maybe it's cause they're facing the Raiders. I don't know, but, uh, you know, they're, they're traveling to Vegas like that, that, you know, moving, playing out West like that is not always easy. And, um, it's just, it's, you know, Mike Tomlin was talking about it the other day, like Jalen Warren has earned his touches at this point and they're not going to take him off the field. I mean, it really is going to be a very even committee. And I just think at this point, it's pretty clear that, Jalen Warren is going to do more with his snaps uh, than Najee Harris is going to do with his. Yeah, he's my RB26, so I'm not quite as low on him, but we're both below consensus. And, yeah, I mean, I guess we just have to keep talking about him every week. But <laughs> like I think said, if he doesn't get it done against uh, the, the Raiders, maybe everyone will finally be out on Najee Harris. Yeah, I, I actually am da- a little bit down on James Conner this week, and it's really just about the matchup with Dallas. Uh, ECR running back 21. I have him at 27. And, again, th- like, like Ramondre, it's like, yeah, he Connor does have a pretty high floor. Like he's he's basically gonna get like ninety five percent of the backfield touches. Um, but yeah, it's a tough defense. I don't know how many points Arizona is gonna actually score. Um, so same kind of similar kind of thought process. Like poor man's Ramondre here with James Connor. I've just moved him down a little bit based on the matchup. 
That makes sense. I, I just think he's likely to, um, if he's not running the ball a lot, he's likely to catch passes. You know, like in, like last week he ran for over 100 yards. Um, but in week one, he, he only had 14 carries for 62 yards, but he caught five passes. And yeah. even though it was only for eight yards, if you play in PPR or half PPR, that adds up, you know. So um, he's another one of those guys that is sort of like matchup proof for me just because he's <laughs> so much uh, the offense for the team right now. Yeah, I mean, even like RB27, I mean, I guess you have some decisions to make, but I, I do, I still have him ranked ahead of like Jerome Ford, who we were talking about earlier, um, you know, even Kendry Miller, but I could see switching that when it comes to Sunday. I don't know. I might go with my gut and I might, like I said, I might be moving Kendry Miller up a little bit. I think the, the opportunity just might be too good there. Yeah. I mean, if we get some sort of report that he's like going to be featured or something, yeah. everyone's going to be moving them, <laughs> moving him way up their rankings. Yep. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if the rankings still assume Aaron Jones is not going to play. I think he is going to play. He practiced today. Yep. Um, so I, I love Aaron Jones this week if he's healthy, um, and I really want nothing to do with A.J. Dillon. So, like, I have A.J. Dillon. This is assuming that Aaron Jones plays. I have A.J. Dillon at RB 47, which is 17 <laughs> spots below the consensus right now. Uh, so I just don't think A.J. Dillon's any good, and I don't think that they have much reason to – continue to waste uh, a lot of touches on him uh, when Aaron Jones is healthy. I mean, he'll get, he'll, he'll get some, you know, he'll get 10 touches or something, but what's he going to do on 10 rushes, like 33 yards or something? Yeah. You know, I think against new Orleans, it's, it's not going to be a nice uh, day for AJ Dillon. Yep. I've got guys like tank Bigsby um, and Kenneth Gainwell, who we mentioned, like I've got those guys ahead of him, Kendry Miller, who I keep mentioning. Uh, Yeah. So like, I've got all those guys ahead of, of AJ Dillon as well. All right, so let's move on to wide receiver now. And I mentioned Amari Cooper uh, just based on that pass funnel Titans uh, defense. I, I, You know, Amari Cooper was looking unlikely to play <laughs> last week. Yeah. Uh, and then he ended up playing, and he, he played well. I mean, he, he did not look limited at all by that injury. Um, so he's still on the injury report this week. But at this point, there's little doubt to me that he's going to be fine uh, to play against Tennessee and I think he's a borderline wide receiver one in that matchup. Um, just such a good player in such a, a good situation right now. Yep, he's my wide receiver 17. So I would I think borderline wide receiver one is a good call. Uh, I've got, I don't know, man. I've got Jordan Addison. In the show note, I had wide receiver 24. I've moved him all the way up to wide receiver 20. So Oof. I just, yeah. I know he's a rookie, but like he just keeps making plays. And we you talked about Cousins. Like it's not just going to be all Jordan, uh, Jordan, Justin Jefferson. And you know, Hawkinson's Hawkinson's been scoring and be has been a big part of everything. But I think especially like if Cam Akers is active and they try to mix him in and stuff, like I think they're just gonna keep passing. <laughs> and this is this could be a shootout, you know, and so like yeah, I like Jordan Addison a lot. I think you gotta fire him up. Uh if you've been just like having him on your bench and just like kind of wait and see, then I think this is the game. Like if you're not gonna play him now, like why like why wouldn't you play Jordan Addison in this week, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. I've got him at wide receiver 33. I I wanted to move him as high as I possibly could, but he is still their third receiver. I mean, K.J. Osborne is still playing more snaps than him. Um, you know, that hasn't mattered in the first two weeks because he's gotten loose for a long touchdown in both games. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that continues. It seems like it would continue in this matchup. Right. Um, so I like playing him, but I just had trouble moving him ahead of um, guys who I know are going to be playing every snap basically um for their teams so uh 
Okay. That's why I've got him at, at 33, but I could see moving him up a few spots. I don't think I can get quite to 20, though. The guy I do have at 20 is DeAndre Hopkins, and the ECR has him at 30 right now. Uh, I don't I don't know why. I mean, he didn't have a great game last week, but he wasn't 100%. Now he's a, another week removed from the injury and more likely to go back to the role we saw in week one where he was just a huge target magnet for Ryan Tannehill. And I do, you know, I've talked about it. I like that Browns defense a lot, but all the same. I mean, when when DeAndre Hopkins is is ready to go and good and good to go health wise, like wide receiver twenty is about as low as I can move him. Okay, I mean, I'm I'm more with the consensus here because it looks like ECR is twenty nine. I have him at thirty two. Even I'm even a little bit lower than consensus. And and yeah, like I look at week one, you know, when he was healthy, had thirteen targets. Um, but Ryan Tannehill just hasn't looked great. And I think, you know, your Browns defense is pretty good. So I don't know, like it, 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 it looks fine on paper, but I just have so many guys. I think I'd rather play, uh, especially if Deandre Hopkins is a little dinged up. Cause I don't think he practiced today and probably just like a veteran rest day, uh, and trying to get his ankle healthy. But yeah, I mean, if you have him, you're probably playing him, but he's not someone I'm, I'm kind of, I'm crazy about. Okay. I mean, Ryan Tannehill actually played pretty well last week. I mean, granted they were playing the chargers, but like. He played well last week, so uh, I, I'm I, I still think Ryan Tannehill is a good good football player. Um, maybe he even ends up getting traded to the Jets or something. <laughs> I know there's been some talk about that, but uh, we'll see. I, I think DeAndre Hopkins is still got a lot of juice, and uh, just there's not many players in the league that have more um, sort of of a high floor for target volume, in my opinion. Well, I see you've got Sky Moore on your list. You were just talking about a decision on playing him versus was it Kendra in a, in a yes. flex? Yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm guessing you're leaning towards Sky Moore with this with this ranking that you have of what is it wide receiver 38. Well, I have Kendra Miller at running back 32 though. <laughs> mm, that is that does <laughs> so, make it yeah. Tough. <laughs> I'm actually leaning Miller right now, um, but I do still like Moore as well. I mean he he's he's still playing in in two uh, receiver sets consistently for this team and. He did get loose for a big uh, play last week. Um, the other thing that I think is making him more appealing to me is that it looks like Kadarius Tony might not play in this game. So no. I think that just locks. <laughs> What's that? You don't say. <laughs> I know, right? Shocking. <laughs> I just think that locks Sky more even more so into a uh, into a decent target volume as much as you can have in this um, ragtag wide receiver core. Anyway, uh, you know, if you told me that the number one receiver for the, the Chiefs wasn't even going to be a top 36 receiver, I'd say, yeah, that sounds like a headache. And that's kind of what it's been for this team. But uh, Richie James is also looking unlikely to play. So the, it's thinning out a little bit. You know, if, if Tony and Richie James don't play, Justin Ross has been a complete non-factor. Uh, Rasheed Rice actually played fewer snaps last week than he did after that promising week one. So yep. it's pretty much just MVS and, and Justin Watson. And those guys are... Uh, good real life players like they can block they they can do certain things well but they're certainly not target magnets you know so I think Sky Moore is pretty clearly uh, the top um, receiving option other than t- uh, Travis Kelsey at this point for Kansas City well as of right now you know September 21st I'm, I'm feeling good about our recommendation on Monday when we were talking Sky Moore versus Tony and then we didn't even really mention Rasheed Rice because like you said the snaps are falling off you know falling off so Sky Moore was the one we're recommending of that group he wasn't our number one you know wide receiver waiver wire guy but i think he was third or something for me maybe third or fourth for you as well 
Yep. Um, so who are some other receivers you like? Yeah, um, Josh Reynolds. You know, we've talked about him. I think he was our number one uh, when we were talking about waiver wire guys, either this week or last week. But we, we keep talking about Josh Reynolds, 13 targets through two games. You know, like you said, um, I mean, I know you're down a little bit on golf, but this is a okay matchup and golf is better at home. Now, Josh Reynolds is dealing with a groin injury, so that is sort of a caveat here. If he's if he's looking like he might be limited in some capacity, I might back off this. But for now, like, I'm firing him up where I've picked him up. You know, he was the wide receiver eight last week with a, with a pair of touchdowns. Uh, not saying he's going to do that, but, like, he was wide receiver 30 in week one. So, and this isn't half PPR. So, I just think he has a, a – he's just, you know – Playing with with a really good a good team, uh, good passing offense, and I, I just like Josh Reynolds a lot. Like I feel like he's just like not really like the name brand guy, but I have him ranked like right behind a guy like DeAndre Hopkins for me. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely not as in on Josh Reynolds this week as I've been the first two weeks, just because of the matchup. Um, but I yeah, I mean I was like thirty over thirty spots ahead of consensus on him the first two weeks. Uh, this week I'm only four spots ahead of consensus, so um, mm. I'm more with the consensus this week uh, on him just because I I do think that that game might be a little more uh, a little little less dynamic I guess you could say than uh, than last week's game for Detroit. But yeah, I agree with your your basic premise, which is that uh, he is just. Uh, underrated because like he's not a, he's not a household name he's he's been in the league for a while and been a role player uh, but he's locked into a really uh, valuable role rest of season so I'm I'm more bullish on Josh Reynolds uh, overall than I am this particular week yeah another guy I'll mention real quick I like Gabe Davis I mean he, he can be a little bit boom bust you know he was more boom last week uh, a little more bust week one against the Jets uh, playing at Washington this week I just I like getting a piece of this uh, this offense and I have him as wide receiver 23, ECR is 38. So I'm way ahead of, uh, of consensus here. But again, I know what I'm getting myself into here with Gabe Davis. Like uh, th- this isn't like a guy who's going to get 10, 12 targets. Uh, so more of the jo- Jordan Addison type who might hit the big play, might not. So you could get heartbroken here. But yeah, I just, I, I like Gabe Davis this week. Uh, but it, it, this could all crash and burn in my face for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got him at 23 and I've got him at 35. And the reality is he's probably not going to, finish either anywhere near either of those spots he's either right. going to be wide receiver 10 or wide receiver 70 yep exactly <laughs> it's just it all comes down to whether he hits those big plays um so moving on to sits um i'm you know i mentioned i'm kind of fading the uh the jaguars passing game so mm-hmm. uh that i mean you're not benching calvin ridley but as much as i really love calvin ridley for this season i don't think this is going to be one of his better weeks i've got him at wide receiver 16 which is five spots below consensus uh, Christian Kirk, I'm was way below consensus on, but um, it, if Zay Jones doesn't play, then I don't think I'm going to be as far behind consensus on Kirk anymore. Mm-hmm. I've moved him up to wide receiver 44, but that's still uh, quite a bit below uh, consensus, which has him at 36. I just don't, uh, I don't really want to rely on these uh, borderline Jaguars pass catchers this week. Okay, I'm going to mention the Bengals real quick. Uh, we were talking about some. Some news, I think we might have mentioned Burrow in passing, but like this line, you know, moved from like a touchdown down to what, two and a half or or three. I think it's at three now. Um, So we don't know as of this recording if if Joe Burrow is going to play on Monday, but you also might not know by Sunday when we our our rankings lock. As of right now, I don't have him ranked. I I don't think he's going to play. I think we're going to see Browning and I've lowered uh, Chase and T Higgins each about 10 spots. So that means that I have Jamar Chase as my wide receiver 19 and I have T Higgins, you know, 25, 26. 
And this is just all about Burrow not being there, and I might even move him down even more. So you're going to have – if this is the case, if that happens, I mean, you're going to be considering starting someone like a Jordan Addison <laughs> over Jamar Chase or T. Higgins, to be honest. Um, and it, it stinks. Or, or a Nico Collins or a George Pickens. I mean, like yeah, – I don't a, know if I could do that. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not with Addison. But I hear what you're saying. I, I'm below uh, – I'm, I'm assuming that Joe Burrow is going to play, first of all, because – the Bengals are 0 and 2. Yeah. <laughs> they have to win. And uh they also just let Will Greer go. So Saw that. if if Jake Browning starts, they don't have a backup quarterback on the roster right now. <laughs> um so that seems like a potential sign that Burrow will play at. But really it's just you know, and Burrow actually said, I believe today that it is the fact that they're that they're 0 and 2 is going to factor into the decision. So that to me seemed a sign that he's likely to gut it out and play. Now they haven't been good in the right. first two weeks anyway, and if he's well on below 100 percent, like I'm not really betting on this being the week where that changes. So I am below consensus on Chase and Higgins too, just not as much as you. I've got. Chase at wide receiver nine and Higgins at 21. And that's assuming that Burrow does play. I mean, if Burrow is out, I will move um, them down further. I just maybe not quite to the point where I'd be, um, you know, considering a part-time player like Addison ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, hopefully there's some clarity before Sunday because people are going to have to be making these decisions <laughs> on Sunday. And if Burrow, it's still kind of iffy on whether or not he's going to play Monday. That, that, that kind of stinks. I mean, we talked, we talked about this in previous podcasts. It's almost, better if guys just sit out right and get healthy and that's hard it's easier to say but like if you're these guys they want to they want to tape it up they want to play they not you're not taping up a calf i guess but you know you know what i'm getting at (laughs) yeah you put a sleeve on it or whatever yeah i I think he was wearing a a sleeve on his calf which is interesting i always thought sleeves go on the arms but you know whatever (laughs) well i even heard like in the pregame tonight they're talking about saquon you know wanting to get back and play a week from monday against the seahawks and it's like (laughs) Dude, like, I mean, I don't know what the severity of this thing, but, you know, we heard two or three weeks, and, you know, obviously he wants to come back. We've seen him do this before, and as a fantasy manager, I'd rather just, like, just rest up, get healthy, and then come back. Yeah, especially with a player like Barkley, where we've seen him come back too soon, and then it becomes this nagging problem all season for him. I think that's an absolute risk with him right now, and it's just laughable how they've handled – I mean, the fact that they were just pretending it wasn't that big a deal, and then finally today (laughs) they admit – yeah, it's a high ankle sprain. Like, yeah, yeah, no kidding. We knew already when he was like helped off the field and couldn't put any weight on it. Yeah. Um, other receivers I'm down on this week. Uh, DK Metcalf is kind of banged up, rib injury. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I don't know, man. I I I still have him at wide receiver 22, so not that far down. But I do think Lockett uh, has kind of just been a little bit better so far, honestly, and um, a guy that I feel comfortable ranking ahead of Metcalf for the time being, and that's with Metcalf being healthy and now with Metcalf on the injury report. Uh, I know you said you're not buying that Carolina defense. Uh, I'm probably not either without J.C. Horn, but they did play well last week against New Orleans, so yeah. uh, I'm not 100% convinced um, that, the, that the Seahawks are going to light up the scoreboard uh, as much as they did last week, so... Uh, you know, you're probably not sitting DK Metcalf if you have him, but I just, uh, I'm not thinking this is going to be one of his best weeks. Yep. I'm, uh, I, I'm with you as far as I also, uh, ranked, uh, Tyler Lockett ahead of Metcalf. I have him at wide receiver 15 and 18 and I, I've feel, feel good about making that change, you know, having Lockett ahead of him and 
I mean, you really could every week. Uh, but both of these guys, it's it's hard to it's hard to bench you know either of these guys uh, unless unless Metcalf, of course, is not healthy enough to play. Yeah, if he's on like a snap count or something, then yeah, maybe you would consider it if you have a really strong alternative. Uh, Garrett Wilson. I mean, we we've kind of talked about this one. Like, it, just with Zach Wilson, his value has just taken such a massive hit, and mm-hmm. I I feel like some people are a little bit in denial about it still because. Um, the ECR has him at wide receiver 25, which is like a classic place to put him because it's like, okay, we can't have him as a wide receiver two anymore, uh, you know, given Zach Wilson, but we're going to have him at the highest spot other than a wide receiver <laughs> two in a 12-team league. And no, he doesn't belong there. He's wide receiver 32 for me. Um, we know this about the Patriots. Like, they scheme to take – your best player off the field and make them a non-factor. That's what Bill Belichick lives by. And uh, that's become a much easier task now with Zach Wilson under center. Um, So, you know, I think Garrett Wilson is going to be swamped with coverage and um, they're going to, you know, the Jets are also going to probably try to run the ball as much as they can. The Patriots usually have a really good run defense, but they haven't been that great against the run so far this year. So um, I, you know, I just don't, see it with with Garrett Wilson like he's still a wide receiver three but um, I don't think he's a borderline wide receiver two all right I'll mention uh, DJ Moore I mentioned him uh, I think every week so far I know it's only week three um, and he did have an okay game uh, last week uh, but I'm just uh, at Arrowhead uh, I know there's been a whole lot of noise uh, about Justin Fields we were chatting over it you know via our sleeper app and text and whatnot uh, I just regardless of what's going on there I just think that like the way this this Chiefs defense looked against Trevor Lawrence and company in Jacksonville, I think they can easily shut down the Bears. I mean, if you're going to try and stop a receiver, wouldn't it be DJ Moore? I mean, they stopped Calvin Ridley. Uh, Christian Kirk had a nice game. So, like, there is hope that, like, DJ Moore could have an okay game. But I just – at wide receiver 28, which is where he finished last week in half PPR, uh, that's where he's being ranked by the ECR. And I have him closer to wide receiver 40. Okay, that's fair. I, I just sort of get the sense, like – there could be some some good garbage time uh, production for him this week. <laughs> yeah. Because they're just such major underdogs. I mean, 13-point dogs uh, to Kansas City. Uh, garbage just time think, points think, count, I, too. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Garbage time points I, count. Yeah, I just think the Chiefs might call off the dogs <laughs> in the fourth quarter when they're ahead by 30 or something. <laughs> yeah. And maybe maybe uh, DJ Moore gets there that way. Um, Jahan Dotson, too. I. You know, I just think uh, he's just the, the commanders are really spreading the ball around, and there's just not the amount of targets that you would like to see. Uh, and then the fact they're going up against Buffalo, I mean, that's that's a difficult matchup uh, for a guy who uh, just isn't. I mean, he's got uh, you know twelve targets in in two games. It's not awful, but it's mm-hmm. certainly not uh, wide receiver two kind of usage you know eight catches for 62 yards and two games combined so like he's a big play guy he could make he could make me look silly you know he could have this huge play for a touchdown kind of a Gabe Davis kind of a day like he's capable of doing that sure he's a really talented player I don't I'm not doubting him at all long term anything like that but tough matchup team spreading the ball around um I just I'm, I'm just not really feeling with Dotson I got him at wide receiver 43 I think what happened with him a little bit too was McLaurin had that turf toe injury. A lot of people weren't were thinking that McLaurin might not even start the year, you know, playing. And so I think Dotson naturally got elevated a little bit 
And I think now he's coming back, you know, and maybe he hasn't come back <laughs> enough. Uh, you know, I, I have obviously have McLaurin ahead of him and well ahead of him now. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit below consensus, not as much as you, but yeah, I, I hear you on this one. Yeah, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, like, do we really think that, you know, Sam Howell is going to be able to support two fantasy starting receivers against a tough defense? I, I'm right. skeptical. Yeah, I, I'm a little skeptical as well. All right, you want to go to the tight ends? Let's do it. You okay. start. All right, let's see. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the expert consensus just to, to make sure Hunter Henry is still, uh, yeah, I still have him at uh, tight end eight. ECR is 12, so that's four spots difference, which makes a big deal for tight end when you're talking about a onesie position. Uh, he's been really good, and I know I talked about like this could be a low-scoring game, uh, not a lot of touchdowns, um, but like I don't know, man. Like Hunter Henry's when you talk about tight end, like he was the tight end one in week one and tight end two in week two, a touchdown in each game. And I know tight end uh, touchdowns can be fickle, but it's like again, kind of like with Jordan Addison. I'm like, why would you not fire up Hunter Henry? And this is like I said, a onesie position. So like, how can you rank like? <laughs> 10, 12 more tight ends above Hunter Henry based on, and he's a good player. Like we've seen him do this before, you know? So like, it's a totally different offense with Bill O'Brien. I just think this could be what you're getting now with Hunter Henry. Like I had this belief coming in that he could do this and he's doing it. So yeah, I I believe in Hunter Henry. Yeah. I mean, even though they're facing the jets, like I I just don't think it matters that much for him because like he's going to still get his targets, you know, um, for the tight end position, it's a low bar. I mean, he's got, uh, at least six targets in both games, at least five catches in both games, at least 50 yards in both games. And he scored in both games. So yeah. it's been consistent. You know, it's, it's low end tight end one production uh, is what it is really. <laughs> um, I mean, if you keep scoring a touchdown every week, it'll be high end, but I don't think we can necessarily count on that. Um, I have him above consensus too, tight end 10. Uh, but uh, one reason I don't have him quite as high as you is because I have another guy we both like a lot above him, which is Taysom Hill. Oh, ah, okay. Uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, as much as we love Kendra Miller, I don't think Kendra Miller is <laughs> going to go from, uh, you know, first career game handling 25 carries or something like that. Like, I think Taysom Hill is going to play a big role like he did last week. And yeah, uh, you look at what he did last week. I mean, like, he had nine carries for 75 yards. He didn't even... Um, find the end zone. He was still tight in 13 and uh, in half PPR. And that's only catching one pass for negative one yard. Like he could also catch a couple passes. Wouldn't surprise me. He could even throw a, a, a pass <laughs> or two. He could throw a touchdown in this game. Like that's always a possibility with Taysom Hill. So to get that sort of dynamic player at, at tight end is a, is a cheat code when he's a, a big part of the game plan. And I don't really see a scenario where he's not a big part of the game plan this week because, um, like we said, Tony Jones is the the definition of a jag. Mm. Kendry Miller will be his first career game. Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara are are out. Uh, so yeah, I think it's Taysom Hill season this week. Nice. Well, we we got a little bit burned on him in week one, uh, kind of recommending him, but week two, like you said, saw some very different things. And yeah, there's still the opportunity there. Uh, so I agree with you. He's my tight end thirteen. I have Zach Ertz as my tight end eleven. Uh, when I did this, I think yesterday he was the ECR tight end 16, but that's caught up a little bit. It looks like he's uh, 14 now, so he's creeping up. And we talked about him in the waiver wire show on Monday. It's you know he's he's an older dude, but the volume's there: 10 targets and eight targets, six catches in each of his first two games. So like yeah, like we talked about, he loves to just catch it and fall down. But like if you're in <laughs> half PPR, full PPR, you can do a lot worse than Zach Ertz. I 
you know, Zach Ertz versus Kyle Pitts is a, a lot of like what I've been hearing, listening to an, another podcast here and there. It seems like everybody wants to talk about like, do you, do you give up on Kyle Pitts? And maybe we'll be talking about Pitts on the Monday show is like, do you drop him? I mean, some people probably already have dropped him, you know, for guys like Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry, but I'm not there well, yet I have, myself. Yeah. I mean, I have Zach Ertz ranked ahead of Kyle Pitts this week. Me too. Um, I've got Ertz at tight end 12 and Pitts at tight end 14. So you know, if if you're a big underdog and you need to shoot for upside, I could see playing Pitts, but realistically, Ertz is more likely to have a better game. And it's sad that that's true <laughs> because I of know. the talent gap between these two players at this stage of their respective careers, but that's what it is. And, uh, you know, Zach Ertz is such a funny player because it's like in PPR, full, full PPR, he's like a stud tight end. In half PPR, he's a solid back end tight end one. In non-PPR... He kind of stinks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. because he's like the catches don't do you any good. Uh, it's only the the yards and he just isn't going to get a lot of yards on his catches. So yeah. he is the ultimate PPR uh, player. And, you know, I don't love PPR, but uh, you got to play by the rules you got. <laughs> That's right. Well, it <laughs> um, looks like we like and dislike a lot of the same guys this week. So we've covered some of my guys, but they're your guys, too. So uh, I know we mentioned Baker and Kate Otten I brought up earlier. It looks like he is on your list. So you like him uh, this week as well. Yeah, I mean, you just have to look at the usage with Kate Otten. I mean, this guy is on the field like every single play for Tampa Bay. This is uh, not a committee in the least. Um, 97% of the snaps in week one, 97% of the snaps in week two. Uh, that's a guy that, uh, you know, he's not he's not the special playmaker. You know, he's not going to be, you know, doing a ton of yak or anything like that. But um Six catches for 41 yards last week. I feel like we're going to see a lot of games like that from Kate Odden this season. And, and yeah. it's going to be sneaky valuable in any uh, leagues that reward points for receptions. Um, so we talked about that Philly D. It's uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be against the pass so far this year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Otten is like, you know, he, he's like my tight end 18. So you probably have a better uh, option in a t- 10 or 12 team league, single tight end league. But he's creeping up for sure. Uh, one guy I do have in my top 12 this week, though, is Cole Komet, mm. who is your boy. So I'm sure you'll be happy to <laughs> see that. Um, I, do. I do. Yeah. I mean, he's got uh, nine catches through the first two games, which is pretty decent. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like what we were just talking about with DJ Moore. I, I feel like Cole Komet is going to have to <laughs> get peppered with targets. Like, I'm, I'm very skeptical about uh, Justin Fields at this point as a passer, but... He's going to have to throw a lot in this game, whether they like it or not. Yeah. And uh, I think Cole Komet, um, 13 targets through two games, pretty solid. Um, I, yeah, I just think it's uh, he's a good player too, you know. Um, I just think he's going to uh, be a good bet to see decent volume. I mean, uh, Darnell Mooney is, is banged up and may not even play. I don't know. Um, you know, Clay, Chase Claypool obviously is not reliable either, so – they're going to need uh, Komet to step up, I think, against Kansas City. Uh, well, in our Dynasty League, I'm going to have a tough choice to make between Cole Komet and Taysom Hill at <laughs> my tight end spot. That's that's really close. Uh, that's Yeah, I would go with Hill, but they're both, <laughs> they're both in the top 11 for me this week. <laughs> I know. It's tough. All right. Well, uh, let's let's move on to some guys we don't like. It looks like we, we, both, we, be, we both don't like Pat Fryermuth. And, I mean, if you look at what he's done the first couple weeks uh, with Kenny Pickett, uh, they didn't really – kind of build on the chemistry that they had last last year. He really hasn't done a whole lot. I'm just pulling him up now. He's the ECR tight end 10. He's my tight end 14. So I'm not that far you know, off, but it's like 
he did have a touchdown against against the 49ers in week one, but he has one catch for two or three yards in each of his first two games. So there's just like not a lot of production there. You know, he's not a, a big part of the game plan. And now they're, they're traveling to Vegas, uh, not a very good defense. So maybe it opens up a little bit for this team, but I don't know, man. Like I haven't really, we haven't seen any signs of it. If anybody's going to get worked in more, I would expect it to be a guy like Jalen Warren and not Pat Fryermuth. So there's just yeah. other guys I, I like a little bit more than him this week. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm more down on him than you even. I've got him at tight end 20. Okay. Uh, I just – I'm not looking for reasons to invest in this Pittsburgh passing game right now. Kenny Pickett has been really bad uh, so far this season. And uh, Pat Fryermuth is not even a – you know, I was just talking about Kate, Kate Otten is on the field like every single snap. Pat Fryermuth is not. I, mm-hmm. I mean, he played 51% of the snaps in week one, 76% in week two, which is a bit better, but – Darnell Washington is playing significant snaps. Yeah. Uh, so that's like a bit of a tight end committee. Even Connor Hayward, I mean, he's not a really a traditional tight end, but he's he's even on the field a fair amount too. So um, these are guys that are just taking opportunities away from Pat Fryermuth in a low-volume passing attack, uh, a low-effectiveness passing attack as well. And Fryermuth is, you know, I don't think he's a particularly special player either. I mean, maybe he's as good as Kate Otten, but I think at this point, Kate Otten's situation is better than Pat Fryermuth. So, like, this is a classic example of um, how quickly as a fantasy manager are you going to adjust to a changing reality? Because, you know, consensus rankings in draft season in August, everybody said Pat Fryermuth is tight end 10, something like that, you know? He's not tight end 10. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> he's not going to be tight end 10. So, you know, if you uh, if you picked up, like, a guy like Sam Laporta or something like that, you don't need to hold on to Pat Fryermuth. Just let him go, move on to Sam Laporta, and call it a day. All right, I'll, I'll mention another guy real quick, Dalton Kincaid. I've mentioned him every week now, I think. And while I like his long, long-term outlook uh, on a weekly basis, like, I'm just not going to rank him that highly yet. Uh, also, he's facing Washington this week, who so far has been pretty good against tight ends. Like, I liked Adam Troutman a lot last week, and he did nothing against this team. And I don't know if it's just, like, what teams see. Uh, maybe the tight end just isn't open against this defense. Uh, I mean, now Zach Ertz had an okay game against him week one, but Washington so far through two weeks has been one of the better teams against tight ends. So, I just – they also have Dawson Knox there. If if Knox, who's dealing with a little bit of an injury, if, like, he doesn't play, then okay. Maybe I would, I'd move him back up. But as long as these two guys are healthy – I think they're just going to kind of cannibalize each other a little bit for fantasy. Yeah, I've got Kincaid at my at tight end 15 right now just because of that anticipation that Knox is not fully healthy and won't get his usual complement of snaps. And it does seem like, you know, maybe Kincaid is gradually starting to um, become a little bit more of the offense. He got four targets in week one and then six in week two. So, uh, you know, two games is hard to read much into, but... Uh, it would only make sense that that he would his targets would trend upward as the season goes along. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm moving him up uh, my rankings a bit, but still not gung ho on him by any met, by uh, any stretch. Um, you know, I talked about Kyle Pitts, like, you know, that I think one of their beat reporters reported like before the season that he was going to be fourth on the team in targets, and everyone mm-hmm. was like, how could that be? How could that be? Well, through two games he's got a total of four catches on eight targets. <laughs> so yeah. like he is, I mean, this is not a high passing volume team. So maybe that's not even fourth on the team in targets, but it's not enough targets 
to produce tight end one value by any stretch of the imagination. So like he's the ultimate player that people just refuse to move on from the stubbornly sticking with him. But you're, <laughs> you're actively hurting your team if you're starting Kyle Pitts right now. Yeah. And I think like, you know, when you have Matt Collins, you got to play him. Right. So no, but <laughs> it, I mean, it's one of those situations like i said i picked up kirk cousins in a league i'm starting him starting him over justin fields if you have the depth in the bench space and you can pick up a zach Ertz or a hunter henry and you have start him over kyle pitts i'm not ready to drop kyle pitts i, I really am not and, and i'm gonna be stubborn i have him I only have him in one league um but as far as tight ends like if those guys aren't available it's kind of hard to be like i don't want to drop like a kendry miller or like you know what i mean like to if you have a shallow bench so like in a lot of leagues, I'm just I'm gonna only have one tight end, and I'm just gonna probably roll out Kyle Pitts for another week or two. I understand ranking him lowly, like lower, but it's to me it's about roster construction. And if you only have like four or five bench spots, like do you really want to clog one up with, you know, and have two tight ends, or would you just drop Kyle Pitts? If that's my choice, yeah. I mean, I understand like if you want to roster two tight ends for a little while just to like look at Kyle Pitts as like you know, an upside stash or something like that Yeah, for a few more weeks. Sure. If that's really what you want to do, that's okay. You can do that. Um, I have a league where I'm rostering two tight ends and my starting tight end is Travis Kelsey, but my other guy is is Sam Laporta. And I think he's going to just have a massive breakout. He hasn't fully done it yet, but like he's been good so far. And I think he's going to have a huge game and then he's going to have a lot of trade value for teams like the team that drafted Kyle Pitts for example yep. that really need a tight end so um so I'm stubbornly holding on to two tight ends I think it's fine you know like your bench is for upside so if you want to stash Kyle Pitts uh, you know and hope that he's going to hit that upside uh sooner than later sure but I wouldn't start him I mean like your number one role as a fantasy manager I think has to be to start the best lineup you can every single week you can't do anything that um that hurts your team's chances of winning this week in my opinion like if it's like a coin flip between two guys, like, and and you feel like the guy you have on your team is going to be better rest of season, and the guy on the waiver wire is going to be worse rest of season, then sure, stick with the guy you've got. If it's a coin flip, but yeah. I don't think it's a coin flip with Kyle Pitts versus some of these other guys at this point. Like, if you have Hunter Henry versus Kyle Pitts, like you got to play Hunter Henry. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, that's that's just how I feel about it. Um, and I think people are slow to adjust to these things. Like this is kind of a common theme. I think for players that I think are sits like Fryermuth and Pitts, I'd put Tyler Higby in the same category because there was kind of an assumption that Tyler Higby was going to be the Rams number one target this season yep. <laughs> until Cooper cup came back. And that's not true. Puka <laughs> Nakua is awesome. And he is the number one target. Kyron Williams is a great receiving running back and a, a big target. Uh, Tutu Atwell is playing out of his mind. I was not a Tutu Atwell guy. Like he's small. <laughs> I had a bias against these small receivers, but he's proven me wrong. I think the game has changed uh, where guys like Tank Dell and Tutu Atwell can can produce now. Uh, so Tyler Higby is good when needed uh, by this team, but we've seen this for a long time with Tyler Higby. Like the, he'll go through phases where he's just not really a part of the offense, and I just don't think he's a huge part of the offense right now. So. Um, I don't think he's a guy that you should be considering starting uh, in a 12-team league. Yeah, he's my tight end 16, so I think you might have him a little bit lower than me, but I'm 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 right there with you. Anyone yeah, I'm at 17, so same. Yeah. yeah. Any other tight ends you want to mention here? Uh, no, I mean I'm a little below on David Njoku. I still like him, but like, you know, if you if you have a guy like Hunter Henry or Taysom Hill, like I I would play them over Njoku honestly this week. Yeah. 
All right, um, let's get into some defenses, and then I'll let you. I'll let you do the kickers. I mean, well, I've got a couple too. I guess why not? <laughs> sure. All right. Um, as far as defense, like we, uh, I have the Jets. I mean, I'm going to go with some high end guys here uh, or high end teams. I have the Jets as my DST four again in this the lowest scoring projection uh, game of the week uh, against the Patriots. Uh, and the ECR last I looked was uh, DST seven. So if it's three spots, but when you're talking about like you know top five defenses, I think they are one. I think they're re- they're a really good unit. I think it's a good matchup. Don't expect a lot of points. Expect them to get to Mac Jones. We saw them. You know, we've seen them have like defense and special team type touchdown so i just like the jets uh defensive unit yeah it makes sense for sure um i think there's a number of, of sneaky good defenses this week uh first of all the ravens like i they got dropped um i dropped them in one league uh you know last week and they got dropped in my in another one of my leagues too i picked them back up in both of those leagues because <laughs> they're at home against the colts this week we don't even know if Anthony Richardson's going to play, but I don't think it really matters one way or the other. Um, the Ravens are a fearsome defense at home. They're mm-hmm. probably going to be a little bit healthier than they were last week, too. Uh, and they played decently last week. Um, I mean, maybe that says more about the Bengals' offense than it does the Ravens' D. But um, there's going to be bad weather, likely, on Sunday in Baltimore. And the the Ravens have given up uh, – I saw this stat on Twitter. Um, they've given up one touchdown – in their last five or six games at home, <laughs> something like that, a nice. total of one touchdown. <laughs> so, like, they are a great uh, option at home against the Colts this week. Um, Jacksonville, similar story at home against Houston. Um, I'm four spots ahead of consensus on them. Like, I think they're a must start. I've got them as my uh, DST six. Um, it's, uh, you know, home teams, uh, when it comes to DSTs, I, I generally want to start. A defense that's at home, I think that makes them much stronger uh, matchups. That will you'll see that in the implied point totals too. Like, yep. um, you know, teams that are at home are always going to be more likely to be favorites, and uh, even worse teams at home will be basically even money um, with superior teams if they're at home. So it is a big factor um, to consider there. Well, one of the away teams uh, we've we've mentioned this a couple times during the show, but I've got the Eagles. It looks like you also are down. On the Eagles a little bit, I have them as my DST nine, which again probably startable. But ECR has it at last I looked, it was ECR five. Uh, yeah, they're still at five, and yeah, I just don't think this unit has looked great uh, through two games. And Baker Mayfield has looked pretty good. Again, they're on the road. And they don't they don't have that home crowd. They are favored by six or six and a half. So I always like to you know pick a favorite too, even if it's a road favorite. But in this case, I've just lowered them a bit because I think that Tampa will put up some points and. If Baker can control the ball and not turn it over, uh, like he's he's looked good, he's looked competent. So I just think Philly could give up twenty four points and not really get to him that much. Yep, and you know, like I said, they've given up seven passing touchdowns in the first two games. So yeah. I've actually got them at uh, D- DST twelve. So I'm even lower on them uh, than you are this week. Who else are you low on? Uh, the Seahawks. I just, I mean, I I just think that um, they're kind of like a trendy streamer this week. And I think a lot of that was based on the fact that they're at home facing Bryce Young. Well, they're not facing Bryce Young anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the whole idea of, like, the noisy crowd throwing off the rookie QB narrative doesn't apply anymore. And I just don't think that Seahawks defense is, is particularly good. So, um, you know, I don't – like, Carolina's offense isn't very good either. But I just uh, – I think that game's going to be, like, a little bit closer than people realize – 
Um, it's funny because last week I was so sure I bet on the Seahawks last week against Detroit and won some money on that. Um, <laughs> this week I'm more lukewarm on the Seahawks against Carolina. I think that's going to be uh, a little bit closer game. Um, well, so um, I just uh, I, if you're if you're starting Seattle because you think Carolina is going to score ten points or something, I think you might be disappointed. Well, what I like to do each week, I like to do the guess the lines thing. I know a lot of people like to do that, and I think you have to wipe your mind a little bit of the previous week because that's baked in you know the the public is a, there's a lot of recency bias and so you kind of have to look at every week as sort of a new 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 slate and so that's I actually need to move uh them down a little bit as well because you're right I had them a little bit higher because of Bryce Young I removed Bryce Young from my rankings put in Dalton um really basically in the same spot but yeah this is not a primetime game we're not going to have primetime Andy it's on the road but yeah I'm going to move them down a couple spots to around where, where you have them. So I, I wouldn't really recommend streaming the Seahawks anymore either. Yep. All right, real quick, kickers. Uh, Brandon Aubrey, I'm, <laughs> I think I've mentioned him like every week, but I'm definitely higher on him this week. I've got him as my overall kicker too. Um, so, yeah, I like the Cowboys have an implied point total of uh, 28 points, and they're 13-point favorites at Arizona. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's wheels up for Brandon Aubrey. Giddy up. All right. Uh, I'll mention a couple of mine. I've got Brandon McManus. It looks like you bolted, so you've got him too. I have McManus and Riley Patterson, both his top five plays. You know, Patterson, again, playing at home, playing in the Dome, uh, could see a lot of points. But also, like you said, it could be, you know, slow down, uh, a little bit more grinded out, uh, and maybe they settle for some field goals. And I always like to avoid the weather. And like you mentioned the weather this week, I think there's a little bit of a storm kind of hitting the East Coast. So some of these East Coast games games could actually be dealing with 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. So I would just, you know, take a look at the forecast if you're looking at, you know, picking someone who's, you know, playing in Tampa or Baltimore. I mean, you're not going to sit Justin Tucker as far as kickers probably, unless it's just like 40, 50 mile an hour winds. But some of them, I would just take a look at, at your kicker with the weather this week. Yeah, it's a tiebreaker at least. Yeah. yeah. And I, McManus, Brandon McManus, the Jags, we both like him. I mean... It's, a, it's the same idea. It's a, you know, Jacksonville is projected to score 26 and a half points and they're eight point favorites against Houston. So really nice setup there. Yep. All right. All right. Well, that will cover it. Uh, that, that about does it for starts and sits this week. Um, Bart and I do have our rankings up at rosrankings.com. So uh, you can see all of the players that we like and don't like this week uh, there. Um if you have any questions for us, you can always reach out to us on Twitter. I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, share, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.